Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Small Business Show on irishexaminer.com for a different view on Irish business. Hello and welcome to this week's Small Business Show here on irishexaminer.com. Coming up on this week's show, we have news in just a moment, which includes an interesting story on local authority charges and steps to market homegrown, homemade foods. Plus that story from earlier in the week as Jared Maguire from 64 Wine in Dunleary talks about his protest against the local authority. I take a walking tour of Loop Head in County Clare and going gluten-free in Tralee. First to this week's news with Alwyn Dahl from Irish Business Intelligence and Naveen McNally from the Small Firms Association now filling in for Brian this week. And we're going to start with local authorities and a situation in Dunleary Rathdown where a local wine merchant, Jerry Maguire, from 64 Wine, found that he now has to pay his local authority €1,100 to put plants, tables, chairs and sandwich boards outside of his premises. And uh, Owen, is this an example perhaps of two worlds just colliding here, both coming from, from opposite ends? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I actually, um, I was having a chat with Jared on Twitter the other night. I My parents live in Dunleary, so I know the area, I know his shop, and this isn't a new story in as much as there have been ongoing issues in the town and with, that lo- with the local authority in question over rates, over the support generally for retailers in Dunleary Rathdown area. I suppose one of the biggest issues, and, and I know Dunleary pretty well, is the fact that over the years, I suppose Dunleary would have had varying degrees of success on, over a period of time. It was a very successful retail area, quite a buzzing area, and there was a lot of emphasis around the marina and, and so on. And, you know, it, it was doing very well during the boom. But then obviously we all know what happens. I don't need to revisit that. But, you know, as a consequence, instead of actually doing things to bolster retail in the area what seems to be happening is that the local authority is making it increasingly difficult for people to trade and that's not just retailers it's local businesses there's a major controversy groaning on at the moment about a a big building that's um taking place in the middle of the town library which is uh, going to put the rates up as well but to go back to your question i mean i think in essence what we're dealing with is a complete lack of understanding of retailers in the area and the fact that you know those such as um jared's that are actually open through the last five, six years, you know, really they don't need any more obstacles in their way to trade. And and I think it just shows a real lack of comprehension of what they've come through. And I hope those who are involved in campaigning uh, to try and change all this will, will have some success because it's going to be an awful tragedy for retail in the area otherwise. Yeah, and Naveen, to take it from the other point of view, I mean, local authorities will say, unless someone comes up with a better idea for us to get money into our authority and make sure that services that people have continue to ongoing. Those services were very much essential uh, during the the recent uh, storms that we've had, the cleanup operation, etc. So they will say that this is essential money for an essential area. Well, everyone understands that services have to be provided in a local area where the frustration for a lot of businesses is 
businesses were constantly the people that local authorities came back to to either meet their budget or meet a deficit that would have been there within the budget. And that happened for a very, very long time, which is why we have seen the approach of, you know, polluter pays principle. So again, while they're not a very, you know, welcome to topic of conversation, the issue of, you know, waste charges and the issue of water charges being introduced at a local level means that some of the burden has been taken off the business. Or that is the logic and the theory behind it. But what you are beginning to see now is the local authority becoming a little bit more creative in, again, going back to business. And the reality is, yes, these services have to be paid, but equally, at the end of the day, it's frustration for a lot of businesses is that they pay this money into local authorities, but they never know what exactly they're paying it for. They often don't get kind of invoices or receipts or a breakdown of where the money is spent. So the reality is they're just putting it into this big black hole. And the frustration for a lot of businesses, businesses have to cut their costs to meet the current need. Local authorities should be kind of doing the same, and there is a sense that that's not happening out there to the level it should be. And this always has been an ongoing frustration. Owen has raised it out. This complete lack of understanding from a local authority. In fairness, yes, with retailers, but with businesses in general about the difficulties and the challenges that they face and how they balance their books to meet their end needs, which local authorities don't seem to be as successful or efficient to be able to deliver on that. Mm, and a situation that I don't think is going to go away by the looks of it. Uh, I think at uh, protest by uh, Mr. McGuire and 64 Wine, it looks like it's going to go on uh, for some time. And Food for Thought is our next one as a public consultation on the use of food marketing terms in Ireland has been opened by the Food Safety Authority of Ireland. The FSAI says that this new code will go a long way to addressing concerns raised by small businesses which rely on the identified marketing terms as a means of communicating the genuine differences between the foods they offer and mainstream commercial foodstuffs. And some of those terms they're talking about are artisan, artisanal, farmhouse, traditional, or natural. Owen, we've covered you know food packaging and label before on the show, but but marketing products and making sure people know the difference between what is actually artisanal and what is actually marketed as such. Yeah, I mean, I think it points to the fact that the food, agri-food business sector and I suppose the uh, the opportunities that are associated with it are really coming centre stage. I know we, we have touched on this subject probably a couple of times before in terms of opportunities for the food sector internationally and so on. But again, when it comes down to the marketing end of things, it's probably to do with in my own humble opinion, the fact that, you know, there are a lot of kind of buzzwords being bandied about as as a result of this sector blossoming in the way it is. So, you know, words like you mentioned there, artisanal and so on, you know, people are becoming more interested in being associated with it without maybe understanding what it actually means, certainly from a domestic point of view, but internationally as well. I mean, we shouldn't underestimate that, I suppose, last year alone, the food and drink exports, exports were around 10 billion euros. I mean, it's, it's not just an emerging sector, it's a really burgeoning one. Um, and I think the agencies are, are stepping forward as well with a lot of the new food business support programs like the Food Academy, food Academy and Foodworks and so on. But it is, I suppose, again, it's about messaging and when you're looking at uh, you know, not just a domestic economy, but internationally, it's really important to understand the connotations associated with certain types of words, so that you are actually getting the full brand value across, and people know what they're buying buying into. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm delighted to see that there's more focus on actually really harnessing this sector and looking at um, what what can be done to support them and, and increase their opportunities internationally. Yeah, and I mean, this this new code seems to be a nod to, we'll say, large scale businesses to say if you use terms like artisan, artisanal, farmhouse, traditional or natural, that you have to back it up as well. 
Well, yeah, clearly you do. I mean, you know, this is a huge big sector for Ireland. You know, it is a growing sector for Ireland. I mean, when you look at some of the statistics surrounding it, 230,000 people are, are, are working within this agri-food sector. And we have seen some amazing small companies being set up which are producing really, really high-quality, amazing food. And again, yes, I think it's great that this code has been put in place. The problem I have, personally, with code is that they're lovely, but do they actually work? And, you know, I think one thing that we're seeing here with this particular code is that the industry is actually behind it, and that's obviously a very big plus hopefully then it will be embraced and, and worked on. But often, you know, my concern with a lot of these codes is that they often are produced, they're left in the shelf and nothing really ever happens to them. But I think it's great that we're seeing a suggestion like this and a code like this trying to be put into practice because we have such a huge export market here, we have such a huge reputation internationally in the quality and the standard of our food that clearly what we're trying to do here is stay at the top of the curve and really lead the game, I suppose, to show that we are doing everything we can to make Irish food and Irish sector and the agri-food sector you know even better from an from an international perspective as well yeah and that's uh, very very important and i suppose connected with that is of course uh, exports as well as uh, have been mentioned and this week from the cso figures show a six percent drop in exports have been recorded between december 2013 and january 2014 according to their office uh, imports were down four percent as well this is a comparison to 2013 as well uh, chemicals foods and live animals all accounted for the rise in exports in the year from January 2013 to the same time this year. And uh, all when uh, exports down, anything for businesses to be concerned about in that, do you think? I mean, I, I read this piece and I just sort of thought it, it kind of didn't really resonate with most of the other um, stories along a similar line that we've probably been talking about, certainly in the last year, but over the last few months. The one thing that did jump out, and I know it's something we spoke about fairly recently, was the animal and, and um, bee stock end of things, which has been quite severely impacted by, by a lot of, I suppose, turbulence, for want of a better way of putting it in the sector. But it's all relative, really, Keelan. I mean, we're looking at a period of time of one month, particularly talking January in specific, or one, one or two months where you're talking about maybe quite a quiet time for a lot of, I suppose, consumer movement and, and retail is generally quiet in January and obviously December will be quite busy but around Christmas and so on, but how much that's driving sales and driving these figures I don't know. I mean, the other thing it's kind of on the one hand it's saying it's a negative but then on the other it's a positive which is that, you know, compar- over a comparative period of time that there has actually been an increase, you know, year on year. So yeah, I, I'm not overly troubled by it. I think it, it is it's, a, it's kind of a, a relative enough figure and probably doesn't reflect the, uh, the state of play generally. Yeah, and uh, Aveen, imports uh, are down as well. Uh, we always like to see imports down because it means that uh, perhaps Irish businesses are benefiting from that as well. Is there something to be taken from, from those kind of import figures as well? I, th- I think so. I think, I mean, the imports are a couple of reasons. I mean, yeah, it's due to the low consumer demand and the low demand for products here in Ireland from the consumer, which is obviously looking at our imports being dropped. But as you see activity improving, which we're beginning to kind of see happening, as you see, you know, the job increase figures that we saw there earlier on in the year and starting to go, people are going to have a bit more money in their pockets. They're going to start spending a bit more. And if you look at a lot of the forecasts and economic forecasts for 2014, they are forecasting our imports to actually increase, not quite a bit, but by two or three percentage in 2014, which shows that they do see there being a lot more purchase here on, on the island of Ireland. And I mean, yes, I think also what's, you know, not alone as the consumers, but it's also the businesses. And when you look at some of the export figures from 2013, while they are disappointing, I think everyone expected them to be a bit shaky because of that whole farm at Cliff thing. But really, I think what's interesting is the increase that we saw at the end of 2013, particularly in the relation to our manufacturing and our international trading services. But I think there you see the manufacturing, manufacturing 
thing, obviously, they're going to start increasing or going to be looking to bring in a lot more stuff and goods and fundamental products for their own products. So, I mean, it is interesting to see they're all kind of linking up. And if you look again at the figures for 2014, they do seem to be moving it in the right direction. Again, on a wider scale, when you have the, the, the world economies and the larger economies um, out there in, in the wider world also performing better, this in itself will start kind of kicking back, I think, to the Irish economy as well. We're going to move on to our final story of this week as well. One in 10 Irish people can't afford food, says the OECD study. Uh, the gap between rich and poor in Ireland is now four times the OECD average with young people facing a, and I quote, lifetime of poverty. That is according to their study. And it also shows that between now and 2008, average household incomes fell by 50%. And Owen, if we kind of read between the lines in this kind of article, I suppose it shows the importance of creating a diverse economy, not just an economy designed for tech startups and and entrepreneurs or, or the agriculture sector, but that everybody has the opportunity to get a job depending on their qualification or depending on what they're interested in doing. This particular piece is is quite a shocker, mainly because of that headline that one in ten Irish people cannot afford food. I mean, that that infers that, you know, we've talked about this as as I said. I mean, in the whole issue around this two gear or two speed economy, where you know some some areas of the economy are actually growing at a fairly decent pace, and people are able to afford maybe slightly more comfortable lifestyles, for want of a better way of putting it, than over the last few years. And there's a little bit of relaxation around spending and so on, and people are maybe getting access to their savings again. But you know, that's actually not speaking about people who literally have been, you know, reduced to the absolute bottom level of, of uh, I suppose, a survival income, if you like. I mean, not being able to afford food infers that there's a lot of other things that are that are going by the wayside as well. So it's, in effect, employment is, is one issue for sure. I think these this particular category of individual or, or group are, are people who are have, have probably been dealt the worst blow by the recession, which is that, you know, maybe jobs have been lost, salaries continually affected, and maybe, you know, negative equity and God knows what else. So it, it's not just the groundswell of positivity over the last few years that is going to make a difference to their lives. It, it's actually the knock-on of that and, you know, I suppose the further stabilisation of the economy and perhaps reinstatement of salary and so on. But it's very bleak. I mean, I found the piece quite quite saddening. I had seen it yesterday and, I mean, it just, to me, it really points to the fact that we are living in, a, in an economy where there are two very stark realities. One being that some people are actually getting on and things are normalising and they're able to return to a fairly relatively uh, normal state of living and a lot of people are really suffering still. So, you know, a lot of work to be done in that area still, clearly. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Alwyn kind of mentioned it there. There's been the groundswell of positivity for businesses over the past number of years and indeed the Irish economy, it has to be said, uh, in the past year especially. Mm-hmm. Stories like this perhaps give us uh, a bit of a reality check that, you know, while it's while it's good to talk about the positive, there's still a bit of a long way to go to make sure that uh, we are fully 100% back on track. Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, I often think, you know, it's not that people forget about it, but I think we talk so much about the economy and about banks and about, you know, people sometimes forget the the huge social impact that has occurred because of the recession that we've been through. And the OECD actually, you know, say that it is very difficult to quantify the impact of this, but that clearly, as you mentioned there, unemployment and economic difficulties don't help, but that it can also lead then the people into a spiral of of bad health problems and including mental illnesses. Um, And also, I think what's quite interesting is this, this report actually also goes on to say that often, you know, when the income gaps, you know, widen between the rich and the poor, if you like, that it can be very, very, very difficult, even in the good times, for those gaps to close back back in together and become closer. And I think, you know, that's really, really frightening because we did even see before the crisis here, some would say the gap widening. 
and you know during recessionary times the gap has got even further widened and it's a case of at what point in time are we going to start bringing this back back nearer and I mean we do hear these stories about families we're seeing people have difficulty in relation to just day-to-day basics and it is terrible in this day and age that in a country that is developed that we have one in Irish 10 people who can't afford food and it is just a frightening statistic to think in this world in our world that it on our doorstep that this is happening as a result of what we've been through in the last couple of years. Owen Dahl from Irish Business Intelligence and Avina McNally from the Small Firms Association. Thank you both for your comments and opinions on this week's show. Thank you. Thank you. Now in part two, protesting the local authority in Dunleary. The Small Business Show on irishexaminer.com for a different view on Irish business. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.